Islam basically is, is acceptance. And this acceptance is not ident exactly identity with the Christian faith. Islam uh, has, uh, that's, that's what interests me very much in the Islamic perception of, of, of the mystery. I would say is more open to the mystery. That God can also destroy. There's no happy end guaranteed. Welcome to Psychology on the Cross. In this episode, I talk to union analyst and scholar of Islamic studies, Bernard Sartorius. Bernard holds a degree in theology from the University of Geneva and is a training and supervising analyst at the International School of Analytical Psychology in Zurich. In this episode, we discuss individuation and Islam, the attitude of psychological agnosticism, and the motive of surrender in the context of a dream that Jung shares in the biography, Memories, Dreams and Reflections. We also return to Jung's statement, I don't need to believe, I know, when asked in an interview at the end of his life if he believes in God. But let's start from the beginning. How did it all begin? It was in high school that I discovered my interest uh, within a Christian type of movement uh, of high school students, my interest for theology. Uh, but um, because we started to, to look at the Bible, and I, I was particularly interested by the, the figure of Jesus, uh, but not of Jesus Christ as a mythological figure, uh, but as a very inspired, uh, very, very highly inspired human being, uh, saying uh, most important things for our, uh, yes, for our psyche. Uh, I already, already felt it at that, at that moment. And, um, and this led me then to study theology. I had a choice, uh, I had another option which was also attracting to me, and which was medicine. And, uh, and um, I was hesitating the, the last moment, I was even uh, enrolled in, in, in medical faculty, but then I changed into theology, because I noticed that the spirit of medicine was a purely scientific spirit, and um, I felt right away already then that something there was something excessive in this way of looking at reality. At the end of the studies, we have to write um, a diploma paper, and I did this in America in a Russian Orthodox uh, seminary. I, I had chosen a, a topic, uh, which, by the way, was not so far away from, from our uh, from a theme of our discussion today, the divinization of man, the deification of man, according to a Greek father whose name was Gregorius Palamas. I wrote this thesis, this topic, and then I got a scholarship to, to, to do this, to write this thesis within the framework of a Russian Orthodox institution. And I had a, a glorious year, I must say, uh, in this uh, uh, St. Vladimir's Orthodox seminary close to New York. Uh, where uh, I was all the time with the future priests uh, of the of, of the American Russian uh, Russian Orthodox churches, there were many uh, many students and were very American boys, but in the same time very very pious uh, for Orthodoxy, going to the choir, singing in the choir. I was also part of it, and going every Sunday to the parishes to sing in the liturgy. 
and the, the boys, it was not my case because I had my girlfriend in Switzerland, but there was the boys want they had to go, they were so happy to go to the parish because they had a chance to meet their future wives. So uh, during the time they were singing, they were already looking at the, the young parishioners uh, in order to have the tea later. So it was a very, a very nice and very human kind of thing at the same time. Very, very different from the Calvinistic type of uh, situation in which I, I was in the, in the faculty in Geneva, uh, theological faculty of Geneva, very strict, very Calvinistic, uh, very intellectual. Um, the Orthodox Church, uh, in its, um, especially with the beautiful music and through the icons, uh, touched me uh, very, very, very deeply at that moment. Um, I did not think about the conversion because it was not at that point that I would go into another institution. But I felt that uh, from henceforth, something which was not uh, also in, in involving our symbolic reception of the mystery um, was not my way anymore. So, so in fact, uh, I then uh, left uh, more or less inside. I left uh, the, the Reformed Church, the, the Presbyterian Church. Uh, though, as I came back from America, I had to work for five, seven years in this church because, um, because uh, for financial reasons. At the beginning, I was working in the parish, and then I was working with youth work. It was easier. And during this time, I, I did my studies at the youth institute. about this transition or deciding to study was that a long process was it something this was a long process because I um, I realized that I was not I knew it already as I just told you that I was not going to work in the church but I had to work in the church and for some time I had absolutely no alternative uh, professionally I, I thought for some time that I would uh, work as a teacher, a history teacher, because theologians could for some time work, work in, the, in the high schools in Geneva, but then this, this was closed. One could not have access anymore unless one had a PhD in, uh, in philosophy. Anyway, so this was locked. Mm. And, uh, I was at the same time in a very existential deep crisis, what my, my whole life, in fact, was concerned. And that's where I started analysis with Marius von Franz. First, first with Dieter Baumann, the grandson of Jung, and then uh, with Marius von Franz. And that's where, in fact, in this process that I discovered, I would say very deeply, that this was going to be my way to, to become an analyst. It, I, it was then, of course, the classic process that the dreams were supporting it, uh, the orientation was supporting it, I, I was getting much better uh, psychologically as I had found this way, and, uh, and so then it was clear that I was entering the Institute, still while working in the church, because for years I had absolutely no money, my parents had no money to give me, and so I had to work uh, continuously in the church. And you mentioned it before that the, the, your interest during your theological study uh, studies and the research around the divinization of man or the deification of man that might link to the theme of today. And I, I was wondering, you know, if you could say something about that link, I guess what comes to my mind is, yeah, yeah, Jung's idea of, of idea or the process of individuation. 
Yes. Very fascinating that you asked this question because it is, in fact, uh, also, I find it also fascinating that it, it was already at this time, I was 23, in fact, an issue, you see, for me. Uh, this question of divinization of divine energies, uh, as, it was, as, as it was called technically. Uh, the, um, the, the, my thesis was, was around a, a Greek church father, his name was Gregorios Palamas, a very, of the 12th century. Uh, and uh, he tried, and then of course in my thesis, I just explained how he tried this. I, I had no connection with Jung at this point, so I could not make any kind of parallel at this point. Uh, but he tried to make the distinction between the, the energies coming from God, which are in human being, and which give him life, which, which gives him the spirit, which give him the soul, which give him in the sense of duty, which give everything which makes a human being a human being, and the essence of God himself, who remains completely uh, unknown and, uh, and in another um, reality and, and cannot uh, be grasped in any way through our knowledge. So he tried to, to, to work on this distinction between divine qualities which have become which have become human, we which of course have first of all been expressed in in, in, the, in the in the in the figure of, of Jesus Christ, real man, real God, uh, but then who 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 are who are, who are given to, to a certain extent to every human being to share in his in his psychic life, and uh, and while keeping the mystery. Of the of the transcendence, uh, completely unspeakable of, uh, completely un untouchable, and completely mysterious. And what, would you say that individuation is, is a process of man uh, realizing his or her divine nature, or is that taking yeah, yeah, divine nature, but then not in the sense of, of, of something something only good, you know, as we imagine it. No, no, no. I mean, of becoming oneself, but this can be also absolutely horrible. It can be very destructive for mankind or for people. As I am I'm personally very, very suspicious of any kind of idealization of the, of the individuation process. You know that it would go into some kind of perfect man uh, <laughs> kind of direction. This, this I'm, I'm very, very suspicious now. But it's it's, it's 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 not realistic. It's very simple. It's, it's not a, it's, it's not true. It's, it's an idealization. I mean, there is a colleague. I don't want to mention him now because it's been published. He he, uh, he gave a description of individuation process, which ends with some kind of perfect man, completely unrealistic, well connected to himself, uh, uh, knowing well his shadows. Uh, and and and, Lean, of course, connected erotically to his anima, and and and. This, I don't believe in that anymore. So, what's the value of this term in in your mind, individuation? What value does it have for you? It has the value of of something very very open, absolutely open, and and in the sense of basically different between each person, from person to person. And having to very, very much to do with becoming oneself, 
without what possibility to say what this means. Because this becoming oneself means something different for each person. So, so I cannot make a, um, a general uh, definition. I would even not really anymore give too much value to, to, to clinical criteria, you know, which, which would, uh, would, 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 could, could be, could, some, some people believe that they would indicate how, how far the individuation process of somebody has, has gone. Uh, I, um, I don't believe in that anymore. Because I've seen too much illusions in my work and also among my colleagues uh, what this process is concerned. Too and much illusions. Illusions, yeah. Illusions, illusions. Hopeful, wishful thinking. <laughs> wishful thinking. And, uh, and if one looks at the reality as it is, really, it is uh, phenomenologically, one sees, yeah, it's, it's, it's far from ideal, it's, it's far from catastrophic. Simply, it's, it's very different from person to person. Uh, everything we, we, we say in psychology about, uh, about somebody, about ourselves, about somebody, is uh, ultimately hypothesis. Hypothesis. Uh, hermeneutically speaking, they are all hypotheses. No, no affirmation. I can make hypotheses. And it's going to be helpful because hypotheses are questions, but open questions. If if uh, if I give a diagnosis about this, let's say a psychological constellation of somebody, and I, I make this diagnosis with the sense that this is it, this is it. That's that's now really the situation of this person, and uh, uh, has is, has. Has uh, I mean, take an example, a very, very classical example is uh, has is, is repressing its instincts, and, and one sees uh, one sees dreams uh, in which the animals are getting wild, and 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 then one can see, uh, yeah, that's very typical of a repression of the instincts, and uh, and of course that's why this person is dreaming of animals uh, becoming uh, aggressive. Uh, yes, as a hypothesis. But but when I believe this, that this is now really. This is, is the situation of this person. I close something. I, I lock I lock this person in into something. Even if I am not expressing it to the person. In previous episodes, I spoke, for example, to Murray Steinman about what we could learn maybe in analytical psychology from Christianity, a very broad question. But he said, well, I think we can learn to have faith. And he spoke of the faith in the process. He spoke about faith mm-hmm. in the therapeutic room. And I was wondering, because now when you speak, you speak about agnosticism, you speak about uh, keeping the I-thou relationship as a holy, uh, we, we don't know. Yeah. Uh, very much like that. But I, I'm, I'm wondering about the idea of faith is that then, you know, excluded, or is that something that you that you actually see that we can sort of practice as an attitude as analysts? That's also a very good question. Uh, you see, that's maybe where the question comes in about Islam, uh, because because Islam basically is is acceptance, and 
this acceptance uh, is um, is not ident exactly identical identical with the Christian faith. A Christian faith uh, has it, it contains also, I would say, acceptance to a certain to a certain extent, but it is. Um, it's of course it's a uh, not not a sharp distinction. It's it's rather a question of of emphasis. Uh, in in Christianity, the way I experienced it, at least that's again a subjective experience, of course, a personal experience. Faith means the outcome will be will be good. Outcome will be good. Whatever I I <laughs> I fantasize when I say good. Uh, but God is is, 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 love, is love, God loves me, God has saved me through Jesus Christ. Uh, so uh, the outcome can only be good if I have faith. Uh, faith is, is, is the trust in this, uh, in this loving God, and, um, and then uh, uh, things in a way or another will be, will be fine. Uh, from very concretistic uh, beliefs in that miracle, that a miracle will happen, in the fundamentalistic churches uh, to heal somebody completely, uh, up to very highly spiritual way of experiencing this, that ultimately individuation process leads uh, towards a good direction. And that uh, a connection with the self and whatever, the so-called self. Islam uh, has, uh, that's, that's what interests me very much in the Islamic perception of, of, of the mystery, I would say is more open to the mystery. Uh, that God can also destroy. Uh, there's no happy end guaranteed. There's no guarantee that, that, that this, this is going to, everything is going to be fine. Uh, the, the contrary neither, because, because this, this uh, uh, this abandonment, this uh, this uh, giving uh, yes abandonment to to, to what, whatever Allah is, which most of us not the slightest idea in fact what what it is. Uh, this is uh, is really open. It's really open in the true beliefs. So um, so if one looks at what image of God is this, it's a, it's an image of God which is completely mysterious. In the sense of, does not go into into a direction uh, we, we we can really sympathize with, because because with our desire, you know, our wish that things will be fine, uh, and, and and this gives basically, I would say, though of course in the sociological Islam it's different now. I mean, the ordinary believer probably would not accept what I'm saying here. But, but, but in my in my way of seeing this, it, it gives a, an openness to the to the mystery, which ultimately can only be described as agnostic. That's where I would make the link. We do not know. When you speak like this, what I'm reminded of is Jesus on the cross, forsaken at the cross. Don't we find that also there? In or you mean that in Islam, it's it's more. Integrated or I see what you mean. Story. I, I would say it's a, to a certain extent more integrated. In 
that, that the wish, you know, when the Muslim says, says inshallah, and if, he, if he's really a Muslim and belonging to the culture, he would really say, now, if, if I say, uh, I, will, uh, I will arrive, uh, I don't know, I will, make, I will take the plane and I will arrive uh, at, uh, at five o'clock in, in Berlin, inshallah. <laughs> he means there's a possibility that God uh, uh, down, uh, brings the plane down. He has somewhere integrated this, inshallah. Of course, he hopes that the plane will arrive in Berlin <laughs> safely. But he has integrated the possibility that the plane might crash. So, so it is really in the, already in the language, you know, so God willing, inshallah, means so God willing. Uh, I will arrive in Berlin at five o'clock. And, uh, and, 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 this, and this is a daily um, expression that, yes, that, that ultimately uh, we do not know the will of God. And uh, the will of destiny, or how, however I want to call it. And you feel sometimes in Christian thinkers that's lacking, or how, how Christian Yes, I mean, in, I would feel, I would say, say this: this um, familiarity with God, uh, you know, through uh, especially also through Jesus Christ, who is our friend, that close to us, one of us, and who is at the same time the God, the Son of God, and this familiarity, what could almost say. In which, by the from which, by the way, that this sequence which you just know um, just uh, reminded me of, of of what what happened on the cross where Jesus said, "Why have you abandoned me?" You know, this is very seldom is is this preached about. This is this is one of those passages which is which is not uh, very often preached about in the churches because it's it's it's, it's very hard, does not fit uh, very nicely into the into the Christian image image of God. But it is it is a it is a fact. God has become in, in in Christianity, let's say in church like Christianity. It's always it's always difficult to know. It's difficult to say about which kind of God we are speaking. So I was speaking the church God Christianity. Uh, yes, uh, a nice good uh, good old friend uh, uh, who means good uh, for me and uh, and who asks me also to be, to be good with with my fellow man. And uh, but all this is very nice, and 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 uh, and, and and has lost uh, to a large extent, uh, at least in Protestantism now, um, its its real mystery, its sense of mystery, and and it's not it's not uh, enough to say yes, God is unknown. You see what I mean? I mean to preach that God is unknown and to verbalize all this. It's 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 a it's a, pers- it's, it's a question of, of of sensing it. It's interesting to see that already in the Orthodox Church, and this is again we, we have of course a connection that we said before, this sense of mystery, you know, that God is really not uh, just available uh, to to fulfill our, our wishes, but but that he is uh, that he is really uh, the unknown also is much more much more strong. In the Russian Orthodox liturgy, you feel it, and uh, and the Pantocrator, you know, this, this Christ figure. Uh, and the top of the roof of, of the Orthodox Church is looking with terrible eyes down. He is not a, he's not a nice little fe- a nice fellow. After my finishing my training in Zurich, I was drawn into to to, to Luther and, and the theology of the cross. Right. 
and especially how Luther speaks about how, how God works. He does his alien work. He's always working in opposites. So, I mean, in Luther, I think both the mystery and the cross and the paradox of, 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 of you know, of, of, of suffering is, is very present. There's not this cozy identification with, with, with the God. There's not belief in only a good God, there, but there is a, there is a surrender to, to God's will, yeah? Mm-hmm. And there's the breaking of the will, of, of the human will. Yes. For, for the sake of God. I agree with you. I mean, you know, there are many, many overlaps. It's a question of, of, of emphasis. I mean, I am, of course, I, I realize, you know, by listening what you're saying, uh, I, am, I am very much connected to Christianity the way I experienced it in my parish work and in my church work. And, and as, a, as a Christian in the churches, what I hear in, in, the, in, the, in the sermons, you know, I, I grant with you absolutely that. That if you go into the into the deeper into the church fathers, into Thomas Aquinas, into uh, in, into Luther, into Calvin, uh, you get at others you you get of course much more uh, substantial you know the type of perceptions of of the mystery of God. I mean this uh, and of, of course of the place of the suffering. But 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 what what, what makes what I still despite that. My impression was, as I started to be in contact with the Islamic uh, world, was that they, for some reason, better than the West, have kept the mystery of, of God, the sense of the mystery of God. Put it very simple. Uh, of course, the interesting thing is that Westernized uh, Muslims uh, are the ones who who give the um, how to say. Uh, who are the, the birthplace, who are the, the breeding ground for the terrorists. It's, it's very interesting to see that the, uh, most of the people in ISIS and the, the people of 9-11, uh, they were educated in a Western way, and then uh, found, again, some kind of perverted connection to the, to the sense of transcendence uh, through uh, their terroristic activities, bringing death. Uh, and going themselves into death, but this this death wish, this uh, this for others and for oneself, has is of course connected with transcendence, symbolically. And uh, and, uh, and and when transcendence is not experienced anymore, um, phys- psychologically, or I would say, uh, then it can take this type of uh, uh, pathological shape that it has to be acted out. Um, for instance, in terrorism, and uh, but 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 this this is a small 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 part of the Muslim world. Uh, I, I I just experienced it very strongly in Egypt and later in Syria that that uh, and, in, and in Morocco that the sense of yes that the sense that human being is not in the center of the universe you know to say it very very simply uh, is very is is lived. It's not a theoretical uh, uh, proposition. While in the West, for a reason which could, could be interesting to explore, uh, that the human being is the alpha and omega of, of everything, uh, is, is very, very strongly um, maintained, and even has become even more strongly in the, since the, the diminishing of religion. But the sense that, that really God is, that, that God is the center of reality and not man, this is not something that you find in the West. Uh, of course, you find it in some pockets and you find it in some books, 
but as a general tendency, yeah. finding it. Yeah, but this is it's, it's really a general tendency in the Muslim world. Yeah. It's less less anthropocentricity. Staying with this, when you speak of Islam as acceptance and the the theme around surrendering, I remember when uh, you and me spoke some years ago, and and you made me aware of that passage uh, and that dream in memories, dreams, and reflections. Mm-hmm. Jung has a dream uh, with his father. In the dream, I suddenly saw that from the center, a steep flight of stairs ascended to a spot high up on the wall, which no longer responded. To reality. At the top of the stairs was a small door, and my father said, Now I will lead you into the highest presence. Then he knelt down and touched his forehead to the floor. I imitated him, likewise kneeling, with great emotion. For some reason, I could not bring my forehead quite down to the floor. There was perhaps a millimeter to spare. But at least I had made the gesture with him. Suddenly I knew, or perhaps my father had told me, that the upper door led to a solitary chamber where lived Uriah, King David's general, whom David had shamefully betrayed for the sake of his wife, Bathsheba, by commanding his soldiers to abandon Uriah in the face of the enemy. It's a, it's a very, very interesting passage in this, in this, in this uh, book. They were, they, were, they were bowing in front of where the highest presence is. And in the highest presence sits, in the dream, it sits in the dream, sits the general, who I think it is Uriah, yep. uh, who has been badly betrayed by David, by King David, because King David wanted his wife, and was sent even to, uh, to a battle in, in a very dangerous situation and was killed in this battle. What, what, is, what, what David, in fact, intended to do. And it is this who it's also he could, he could get his wife, the wife of his general. Uh, and this um, Uriah is, is, so to speak, the symbolic figure of this highest presence. My interpretation is, 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 is then the following, is, is that what happened, because David then afterwards became King David and, and the author of the Psalms, and one of the very important figures in Judaism, the father of Solomon and a king who was very close to Yahweh and all this. My interpretation would be the following, that what happened to this general, to this poor general Uya is an absolute, how to say, it's, it's it's an incredible uh, abuse. This this King David wanted him to, to to snatch the wife of this of the general and send thanks to his power given by the way by God uh, by Yahweh. He sends this general to the front line uh, so that the general gets killed and that then he David can take the wife. This is just a, a horrible deed. The the king. The, the, the general Yuria was the victim of a, of, a, of, a, of a fantastic injustice, but of an infest, uh, in, uh, fantastic injustice, which is difficult to qualify from a normal moral ethical point of view, uh, which was happening 
uh, by a king chosen by God, by David, by King David. So, so we have here a complete paradox. This, this Uriah for me represents the symbolic figure of someone who is suffering, of course, and we have the suffering of unjust suffering, completely unjust, and this unjust suffering is, uh, is, is, seems to be somewhere connected with the will of God. Don't let it happen, uh, at least, uh, but God let it even happen through somebody who is his own, uh, his own king. That's the difference uh, between you and his father. Uh, that, it seems, that his father seems to represent symbolic, symbolically in the dream, that he is bowing in front of the total mystery of God, including the injustice of God, producing the suffering of Uriah, or having allowed the suffering of Uriah. He is, he, he is in a full uh, attitude of acceptance. He touches ground with his bond, with his forehead. Uh, Jung is not at, at, this, at the point of this dream, is not able to do it. And there is not able because he wanted to do it. He, in the, dream, in the, the dream says, I wanted to do it, but I did not succeed. So, 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 so there is something in him resisting this total surrender. I am not, not a second blaming you for not having touched uh, with his forehead the ground. But, but his, his the self-explanation which he, then he gives in his memory dreams of reflections, why, he, why he, he did not touch it, for me seems to be a little bit constructed. That this means the freedom of man, uh, he has to save God, a little bit of freedom in front of, of, of the almighty God. This, this is constructed because symbolism of freedom, or in the theological symbolism of freedom, uh, there is not an opposition between freedom and God. The, uh, God, the quality of God, gives also freedom to man. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a reductive understanding of, of, of freedom, almost infantile reduction of freedom, to see God as a father who prevents, uh, you know, his little boy, uh, to be to be free. This is a rather superficial understanding of of the connection between determination and freedom. Uh, in in Islam, especially for instance, Ibn Arabi, he has written a lot of things about this. It's the paradox is that the more the closer we are to God, the more we are free. And 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 this closeness to to God means also surrender, includes, of course, surrender. It's, it's, it's very interesting that uh, he had this dream in Tunisia, where he was absolutely, he had it in Tunisia, where he, where he mentions in his memory dreams and reflections that he was very much impressed by the, the call to prayer, which he heard, you know, from the, from the minarets five times a day, very much impressed. Uh, and which are in fact a call uh, to, to 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 go to, to pray, uh, but uh, but the prayer, the, the Islamic prayer, is is is, is the prayer is a prayer of surrender. It's not a prayer of uh, give me this, give me that, save this, uh, help me for that, uh, save my soul, or, or whatever. 
it's, it's an expression of, uh, of surrender. We'll find also the Christian prayer, of course, but, but, but there it is, it is very, very emphasized. So Jung was impressed by this, and then uh, he's, he reacted like that. This is dream. Yeah. So, so, so what would you say, what, what, what was lacking in Jung at that time? You, you know, he had a dream in, in the 1920s, mm. and uh, I think in the 1920s, he still had not experienced uh, all, of, all of the psychic possibilities. You know, the old Jung in, in, in uh, you know, in, in the BBC interview, uh, one, I think it was one year before his death, when, when this journalist asks him, do you believe in God? Uh, and, and Jung answers, I know. There is, there is surrender. There is surrender. I, I hear I heard more surrender. I know. Can you say something more about that? Yes, because in the meantime, Jung had experienced his um, heart attack. You know, this was after the long time after the, the, the dream in Tunisia, in Tunisia. He had experienced his heart attack, and in, in his heart attack, which he also mentions, you know, in his uh, dream and memories of reflection, uh, he, he he was uh, he was very close from from dying, uh, and and he was called back uh, to, to go back to Earth. He was already in the cosmos, he had some kind of, of inner vision. And uh, during his, his, his uh, coma situation, he was in the coma. And then a voice told him, that, I don't I remember if it was a voice, but he just felt that somebody, some power, something mysterious, told him, no, you have to go, you have to go down again into life. And, and this was, of course, a basic, basic uh, religious experience, which he did not have yet uh, at the time of the, of the dream uh, in Tunis. Two episodes ago, I spoke to Amy Cook, which is a scholar uh, mostly studying Kierkegaard and, and the relationship to Jungian psychology. Uh, she wrote an b- excellent book on that as well. She takes this statement of Jung uh, as a, a representation of his, his, his difficulties with faith, or that he does not, when it comes to faith, she says, he, he is not open. There is no dynamism. There is no dialectic anymore. There is a there's a, there's a knowing, so there's no faith. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have a different uh, perception of this, of the, of the way he spoke. Yeah. I, I, I listened to it many times because I, I, was, I, I, was, I was also very intrigued by this, this, this I know. And, and, uh, and, uh, and I, I just got, every time since the very beginning, it did not change the impression that it, it, he said it because of an inner experience. And you see, this is in fact... I would even say more religious than just faith. You see, because faith, uh, you can to a certain extent. I believe because it's absurd. I believe because it is absurd. You know, there's a church father, Tertullian, who said, Credo quia absurdum. I believe because it is absurd. The more it, the more it is foolish, the more I believe. Okay. <laughs> but, 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 but that's, that's, that's well, maybe, maybe the beginning. But, but that's not yet a deep religious experience. 
uh, in humans, I know uh, uh, that's that's maybe sub my subjective, you know, perception, but I perceive uh, the result of an experience, which you could call mystical or name it. I mean, this, that's not important, but of an experience of a not just of one experience. You see what I mean? Not just one event, but of a of a of a going into this into this perception, which allows him then to say, "I know," and not that I know in the sense of I, I know that uh, uh, that the brain has two halves, which is also a, uh, can also use the word no, I know that the brain has two halves. Okay, I know that there are two halves, but but, but the intonation in which he says it is is, is absolutely not the one of, of this kind. You see what I mean? I know that the brain has two halves. I think yeah, I agree, and I think many people would agree that you know. There's no doubt that he had these experiences that made him uh, understand that there is other powers. You know that that's that's somehow clear to me as well. And so you can have many of those experiences, but it's not faith. I mean, faith also has to do with the end of life, no? Or it would do with the eschatology, or it's also a question about yeah, what what what, what do we have faith in, or what's that highest presence that that Jung couldn't bow to? I, I'm wondering still, you know, about this, what he couldn't bow to. You see, I mean, there um, we, we come, I mean, I, I, I cannot answer to that. I, I did not speak to him. <laughs> and we, we, he did not write anything about that, you know. Uh, it's uh, simply there is, there is uh, maybe one little indication which, which shows, of course, his Jung's own uh, ambivalence, in fact, what this question is concerned. Because um, the or let's say an answer, a possible answer to this question. Uh, when he speaks, I, I once made a little checkup of the of the of the, um, the passages in which he speaks about the transcendent function. And um, uh, you know the famous uh, when he says the deo concedente, God willing, uh, the individuation process will go like this and that, or or, or what he wrote on his. Uh, or the, the door of his, uh, his house in Kusnacht, uh, or what Mokatos, as we know, Mokatos, Deus Aderit, called or not called, God will be here. The transcendent function sometimes is, is clearly only psychological in some of his expressions. I don't have now the quotes in, in, in my head, but I, I have it written somewhere. Uh, one sees it; it's, it's a psycho psychological function, and at one point uh, there is a it, it intervenes. It's the third, which which results from from the tension between the two, and, uh, and and it is as such a new situation which comes about from the dialectic between the two, and uh, and uh, and so. But there are other places where it is quite explicitly metaphysical. And, uh, and, and where the good willing, deo concedente, seems to come from the other side, from the metaphysical side. But, but, but Jung himself um, does not clarify this. Well, one just can notice that, that there are quotes about the transcendent function, which sometimes lean more towards something inner psychic, or let's say purely psychological, and sometimes lean towards something metaphysical. In the true sense, not pure mystery, not reductible to a psychological phenomenon. I cannot say more. So, so, so I have the impression that that also your question somewhere um, 
Yeah, he was moving in this realm till the end of his life uh, with probably, probably some more uh, confidence at one point, some more surrender. You know, it's, I mean, it's interesting, you know, if, you, if one sees the Red Book, uh, just to, 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 to come to this, uh, there are many, many places uh, in which his paintings, um, uh, retro, um, uh, in his paintings figure uh, Islamic uh, uh, buildings. Many places, there are, there are about uh, 10 uh, buildings. Uh, you, of, of course, they are not in the center, they are somewhere in a corner, but there are little buildings with a cupola which are looking like, uh, like mosques. So the theme of surrender is, is haunting him from the very beginning. I think he was, he was deeply impressed somewhere by the motive of surrender, but at the same time resisting. I, I hear how you were drawn into you know, your Islamic studies, and, and I hear the depth and the importance that it has had for you psychologically. And I see, when if, if I go out from my practice and I go 100 meters, there's a little mosque. Every day, young men coming with their carpets, running, you know, to yeah. them. Yeah. There's a pull, there's an energy. Yeah. And at the same time, you know, in my little life in Berlin, trying to enter a church, you know, usually it's closed. Uh -huh. it, it, or, or it's rented out for some events, you know. Yes. It, yes. It, or, or you come on a Sunday and you sit down with a group of elderly people, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, so, so, so there is something, you know, here that we're standing in the middle of. Yes, you see, I mean, I, 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 I hear you very, very well. And, and I, I must really say that this speaks very much to me also, I mean, what, what you feel here. It's, you see, simply what, what my impression is this, that, but it's, it's, of course, a very personal hypothesis that this new God, which in fact, well, Jung was trying, or no, not his unconscious was, was trying to communicate it to him, uh, communicate it to him, particularly through the Red Book also, and, 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 and wrestling with Christianity, for sure. But this wrestling with something, something with a, with a psychic reality, with a spiritual reality, who was still very much alive to a certain extent, but which was already on its way out. The Islamic reality as such, as such with its um, um, ethnological aspects, uh, is not necessarily the reality in its way in, because, because Islam needs also a lot of reformation, this I'm sure. Uh, it has shapes which, for a Westerner, are, are difficult to, to follow. Uh, it has a lot of Arabisms, you know, which we, which do not correspond to our own psyche. So it is not easy to, to become a Muslim to live as for a Westerner. But, but, we, there is something in, in, in Islam which I think is, is highly symbolical of a general movement happening in, in mankind now. And, and, a, and a general movement which, um, to which Christianity uh, is, how to say, in, in regards to which uh, Christianity is outdated. And this is to a certain extent outdated. It, it has, of course, a lot of things which will be carried on, but, but in, in one main point is outdated. 
And this is, that's my, my hypothesis, I know this is, can, be, can be attacked, but I, 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 I'm deeply convinced that it, 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 at least there's some truth in it. Uh, and this is the anthropocentricity of Christianity. Uh, that we must not, you know, Christianity is based on Judaism, uh, Judaism, and then it became Jesus Christ became Christianity, but, but first it was based uh, on Judaism. And Judaism is a, is a religion in which uh, <clears throat> God, Yahweh, suddenly takes very, very serious the well-being uh, and the destiny of one particular group of human beings. This is, this is amazing. And, uh, and, uh, and enters into the history, even intervenes in this history of this little group, helping them to get out of Egypt, to, to go into the promised land, and, 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 and to fight all the, all the pagans, who are, by the way, nature uh, uh, God uh, believers. Uh, they were believing that nature has still something divine. Uh, they were fought for uh, mercilessness. And God in the name of God. So a human, so first the human group was 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 highly valued, uh, the, the Hebrews, and then mankind as such, humanity as such was highly valued, highly valued. God became became man. God did not become an animal or a cosmos or nature. Became man. So so there we have mythologically speaking. Uh, tremendous uh, um, uh, emphasis upon the value of human being, which of course uh, then led the foundation of um, of a perception of of the value of of human needs. Human needs. If human being is so valuable, then his needs are of course very valuable. And, and there we have then the American Constitution. The fundamental right of freedom, of love, of happiness, of uh, and so forth. That that view humanity and its needs, and then ultimately we have, of course, the consumer society, which which then at one point, of course, produces this perversity that when they're not when natural needs are satisfied, or not, one has to begin to produce artificial needs in order to satisfy the market. You know this better than myself. So uh, so. Uh, this anthropocentricity uh, is, it, that's my impression, is coming to an end. And, uh, and, um, and it's coming to an end because, uh, because, not because of some kind of metaphysical reason, uh, but, but because we, we see the effect it, it has had now upon the planet. It has for a long time, it has um, allowed a, a better life uh, for humanity. Uh, but but with the industrial uh, revolution and the technological uh, explosion, well, I don't name it a bit or, or, or otherwise, uh, it is beginning now to destroy the planet and the very foundations uh, on which this human life is possible. Uh, so so this anthropocentricity is 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 showing now its 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 its, its dark side, and um, which means centricity of. Upon human desires and their satisfaction, and this, I think, is the beginning of a change of civilization. And there, um, 
uh, of course, uh, Islam with its theocentricity, with, it, with God being really the center, the mystery of which is also in the cosmos, which may, why not? There might be some, some extra terrestrial, terrestrial beings landing one of those days, uh, which is behind also them, uh, is, is uh, I think, is, is more relevant for today than anthropocentricity, and for, especially for the future. Uh, and uh, that's, uh, that's why I think, uh, yeah, that, that's why some people feel this in Islam. They feel it and are attracted by the theocentricity of Islam. Uh, and, and, I'm, I'm, uh, and I must say, I, I myself, that's also through this way that I, 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 I began to have my interest for Islam. I felt, yeah, this is this is not going to solve uh, our human problems. This is this is this is really uh, uh, giving again uh, a place, a big place, the, the most important place, by the way, uh, to, to the origin of life and of death and of everything, and, and giving it in an existential way and not just uh, philosophically. I feel like I need to ask you a very personal question and you can decide how you'd like and if you'd like to answer to it. Uh, do you believe in God? In that sense, yes, the way you just said, yes. But with that full stop, you know, <laughs> full stop. It doesn't matter if it's a Christian or a Muslim no. God. No. No. I, I would just say in the, in the various religious uh, expressions, uh, I sense something of within God. Also in Buddhism, because if they also if they say uh, we are not, you know, we don't believe in God, uh, yeah, but they behave, you know, like people who who are open to the mystery. That's why I prefer to call it the mystery, simply. If we have to, by by all means, to use a, a word, I prefer this one. Did this episode evoke any thoughts, ideas or reflections that you'd like to share? Do you have any questions? Please share your thoughts on cross.center slash feedback. Cross.center slash feedback.